Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. Day number 123 brings us to Exodus chapter 30. We're continuing in this section where the Lord is revealing to Moses the pattern for the tabernacle, which is such an important pattern for us to understand for seeing Christ and seeing so much about right worship. And again, it's not that we take this and we literally construct a a, a tabernacle today. These things were fulfilled by Christ. This was the sketch outline of what Christ would look like and what he would accomplish and of what it means to to worship God and to be his holy people. And Christ comes and fills this for us. And let's, uh, let's pray and ask the Lord's help as we dig into this passage today. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your word, which reveals your heart to us. Thank you for calling us to be your people. Show us today what it means to be your holy people and to love you with heart, mind, soul, and strength and to respond to your invitation to worship you rightly uh, in spirit and in truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Genesis, Genesis, right? Exodus chapter 30. You shall make an altar on which to burn incense. You shall make it of acacia wood. A cubit shall be its length and a cubit its breadth. It shall be square and two cubits shall be its height. Its horns shall be of one piece with it. You shall overlay it with pure gold, its top and around its sides and its horns. And you shall make a molding of gold around it, and you shall make two golden rings for it. Under its molding on two opposite sides of it you shall make them, and they shall be holders for poles with which to carry it. You shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold, and you shall put it in front of the veil that is above the ark of the testimony, in front of the mercy seat that is above the testimony, where I will meet with you. And Aaron shall burn fragrant incense on it. Every morning when he dresses the lamps, he shall burn it, and when Aaron sets up the lamps at twilight, he shall burn it, a regular incense offering before the Lord throughout your generations. You shall not offer unauthorized incense on it, or a burnt offering, or a grain offering, and you shall not pour a drink offering on it. Aaron shall make atonement on its horns once a year. With the blood of the sin offering of atonement, he shall make atonement for it once in the year throughout your generations. It is most holy to the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, When you take the census of the people of Israel, then each shall give a ransom for his life to the Lord when you number them, that there be no plague among them when you number them. Each one who is numbered of the census shall give this, half a shekel according to the shekel of the sanctuary. The shekel is twenty giras, half a shekel as an offering to the Lord. Everyone who is numbered in the census from 20 years old and upward shall give the Lord's offering. The rich shall not give more, and the poor shall not give less than the half shekel when you give the Lord's offering to make atonement for your lives. You shall take the atonement money from the people of Israel and shall give it for the service of the tent of meeting that it may bring the people of Israel to remembrance before the Lord so as to make atonement for your lives. The Lord said to Moses, 
you shall also make a basin of bronze, with its stand of bronze for washing. You shall put it between the tent of meeting and the altar, and you shall put water in it, with which Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet. When they go into the tent of meeting, or when they come near the altar to minister, to burn a food offering to the Lord, they shall wash with water, so that they may not die. They shall wash their hands and their feet, so that they may not die. It shall be a statute forever to them, even to him and to his offspring throughout their generations. The Lord said to Moses, Take the finest spices of liquid myrrh, five hundred shekels, and of sweet-smelling cinnamon, half as much, that is two hundred fifty, and two hundred fifty of aromatic cane, and five hundred of cassia, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and a hen of olive oil. And you shall make of these a sacred anointing oil, blended as by the perfumer. It shall be a holy anointing oil. With it you shall anoint the tent of meeting, and the ark of the testimony, and the table, and all its utensils, and the lampstand and its utensils, and the altar of incense, and the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils, and the basin and its stand. You shall consecrate them, that they may be most holy. Whoever touches them will become holy. You shall anoint Aaron and his sons, and consecrate them, that they may serve me as priests. And you shall say to the people of Israel, This shall be my holy anointing oil throughout your generations. It shall not be poured on the body of an ordinary person, and you shall make no other like it in comparison. It is holy, and it shall be holy to you. Whoever compounds any like it, or whoever puts any of it on an outsider, shall be cut off from his people. The Lord said to Moses, Take sweet spices, stacte, and onica, and galbanum, sweet spices with pure frankincense, of each there shall be an equal part, and make an incense blended as by the perfumer, seasoned with salt, pure and holy. You shall beat some of it very small, and put part of it before the testimony in the tent of meeting where I shall meet with you. It shall be most holy for you. And the incense that you shall make according to its composition, you shall not make for yourselves. It shall be for you holy to the Lord. Whoever makes any like it to use as a perfume shall be cut off from his people. That's Exodus chapter 30. Excuse me, my phone, I forgot to silence it. So Exodus chapter 30. In the English Standard Version, and as usual, we're using ESV.org for our on-screen text display. So we have the altar of incense, which is the first thing described in Exodus chapter 30. And the altar of incense represents the prayers of God's people. Uh, we see this in Revelation, where we're given a peek into the holy tabernacle, the heavenly tabernacle, the heavenly worship room. We see incense continually rising up before God with the prayers of God's people. And so this is, it, it shows the importance of prayer uh, in worship. It also shows two things that are needed for right prayer. First of all, the prayer itself needs to be right. Um, we, we need to be careful how we pray. Now, prayer is talking to God, yes. And it's a conversation with our Heavenly Father, yes. 
and we need to be honest and speak to God from the heart, yes. So we need to make sure that there's not hypocrisy in our prayer, that we're not putting on airs or pretending to be what we're not. But we're also supposed to pray in accordance with God's word and for things that he has revealed to be his will and with thanksgiving and with a reverent and submissive attitude toward his will. So that's important that we pray that way. Now, does that, we, can, we can pour out our complaint before the Lord, yes. We can, we, can, we can show our grief and our sorrow over our sin and over injustice, yes. The Psalms give us great language for all of these things. The Psalms are really God's prayer book and God's hymn book that he's given to his people. Not that we only pray exactly the words of the Psalms, but the Psalms give us the kinds of words that we can pray. And the Psalms are an anatomy of the whole of the human soul, as John Calvin put it. There's no emotion of which a human being is capable of that is not somewhere reflected in the Psalms. And so that tells us that we can come to God with all of our emotions. But when we do so, we do so in the name of Jesus. We do so according to the word of God. We do so for things that he's revealed to be according to his will. We do so with thanksgiving, and we do so in reverent submission to his to his lordship and to his wisdom. So we don't come demanding things from God that he's never promised us. We don't come to him like he's the heavenly Santa Claus and we just want our stuff, right? So there's a formula for the incense and that had to be kept. Later, we're going to see Nadab and Abihu, they offer strange fire to the Lord, strange incense that God did not command. And it's, it's a very, very serious matter. But also the fire which consumes the incense and turns it into um, smoke, which rises up to God, is the Holy Spirit. And so that's the symbolism of the Holy Spirit. And so we need the Spirit to be our intercessor, to take our, our right and proper prayers and make them effective, to bring them up before God. We need the intercession of the Holy Spirit. And so our, our prayer life is important to God, both in the content of it, what we pray and how we pray, but also that we absolutely need the Holy Spirit. As Romans 8 says, we groan and the Spirit makes intercession for us as he lifts our prayers up before the Father. And the second thing we see here is this tabernacle ransom money. It's yet another reminder to the people. Several things within the ceremonial aspects of the law of God here are given to God's people to let them know that they are guilty and that they need to be redeemed. They need to be ransomed. They owe God their lives because God created them and they're guilty before him. And, and that's us, right? We owe God our lives. God made us and we're guilty of breaking his good and holy law. And so we are indebted to God for our lives. And here it's a contribution that's made for the right worship of God in the tabernacle, which is itself a picture of Christ and his redeeming work, as well as a picture of the gospel and of right worship. And so, for us, the way this translates into our context in the New Testament age is that we contribute, we participate in the worship of God's people in the church. And when we come and when we contribute and when we worship, we are all part of this. We are all part of, of acknowledging before God that we owe him everything. We owe him our lives. Notice that this is one of those rare contributions where it didn't matter how rich you were or poor you were, 
everybody gave the half shekel. Half shekel was set to be an amount that everybody should be able to afford. I know for some very poor people, it might be a sacrifice, but the rich people don't give more because their life is not worth any more before God. Your life is not worth more before God than uh, someone else because you have more money than that person. Everyone is equal. You know, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Everyone is equal before God in that we owe God our lives and all lives are equally valuable before God. And that's what's pictured here. And we need <clears throat> ransom. We need redemption. Of course, Jesus paid the ultimate ransom and the ultimate redemption, but it's still a picture for us that when we come to God in worship, we are to fully participate in worship as those who know that we need to be redeemed, as those who know we owe God our lives and we come on, on level ground. Everyone is equal in worship before a holy God. And then there's a basin of bronze for washing. And together, the, the altar for burnt offering and the basin for cleansing picture the dual effects of the sacrifice of Christ to remove from us the guilt of our sin and the pollution of our sin, to remove from us the iniquity, the guilt, the, the legal penalty for our sin by a substitute sacrifice, the atoning with blood and with the body of Jesus on the cross, and then the cleansing of ourselves from the defilement of our sin is also done by the blood of Jesus. When Jesus died, blood and water flowed from his side, which was symbolic of this dual cleansing to cleanse us of the guilt of sin, but also of the pollution of sin. And so when the priests would make sacrifice, they would become bloody and dirty in the process of making the sacrifice, and they would need to cleanse in the basin of bronze before they would go into and worship because they needed to have the defilement of, of their sin represented by these sacrifices washed off of them. And so we need to be not only forgiven of our sin, but also cleansed of it, which Christ does for us. And then the Holy Spirit applies that cleansing to us. And so we can enter God's presence and worship him in spirit and in truth. We're then given two formulas at the end of Exodus 30, a formula for the anointing oil and a formula for the incense. The formula for both is expensive costly, precious, uh, beautiful, sweet-smelling, wonderful. And this is a picture for us that the worship of God, God is holy. God is worthy. We, we should give to God our deepest affection, our highest praise, our most profound reverence. The fear of the Lord should fill our hearts and, and compel us when we worship God. And that shouldn't be something we give to anything else, right? We shouldn't give celebrities or money or our jobs or even our families the same kind of adoration and honor and praise and wholehearted worship. Uh, it's no longer about having the right formula for anointing oil and for incense, but it is about worshiping God in spirit and in truth with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire coming before him and offering to him our hearts, offering to him our lives, offering to him all that we are as a living sacrifice in a way that we don't do for anyone else because he alone is God. And so when God says, this is the anointing oil, it's special, it's precious, it, it is to be blended 
properly and you're not to use it for anything else. There's nothing else that should be like it. The way that we are consecrated by the Holy Spirit for God, the way that we are set apart by God for God and made holy is not true of anything else. We don't we don't belong to our jobs in that way, even though we may have a, 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 a employment contract or a title or something like that. We don't belong to our schools as our alma maters in the same way, even though we may be great fans and we might like to wear the team colors and go to the games. It is not at all the same as the way that we belong to God, right? Or neither do we speak to others in the way that we pray to God. We are to pray to God and pour out our hearts before him and not pray to anyone else. The fact that this incense was for God alone, prayer, reverent, worshipful prayer is for God and God alone in spirit and in truth, in worship, in reverence and awe, and not to be given anyone else. We don't look to the government that way. We don't look to our spouse that way. We don't look to dead relatives that way, right? Ancestor worship or any that kind of stuff. We give our prayers to God and God alone. And so these these very specific formulas, again, the way you carry this over to a New Testament age is that it's been fulfilled in Christ. Christ is the once for all sacrifice who was obviously much more precious than anyone else, much more special and wonderful and unique in every way. There's no one like Jesus. He was given by God for us to make us holy. The Holy Spirit who comes and it anoints us and dwells us is the indwelling of the presence of God. And the anointing of the Holy Spirit does for us what nothing else in the world could ever do for us, circumcises our hearts and baptizes us in the Spirit, sets us apart by God and for God. And so it's fulfilled in Christ. So we don't need to go measuring out these oils and measuring out these spices and burning this incense and uh, uh, covering ourselves with this oil because it's fulfilled in Christ. But the principle that's behind it, the heart behind it that says... The worship of God is unique and special, and we need to be faithful to him above all else. That much remains, and that much is ours by grace through Christ. And it's no longer primarily about what we're doing for God, but what God has done for us, what has been fulfilled, and what is now applied to us, and what we give back to God in worship for all that he is and all that he's done for us. So that's Exodus chapter 30. I hope you found wonderful things in God's word once again today. God's word is an endless treasure of wonderful things for us. Tomorrow we're going to be jumping back to Romans. Romans chapter 3. It's a great, great chapter. I hope you can be with us tomorrow for day 124 as we continue walking with Jesus through the word. One chapter per day. Have a blessed day in the Lord. Mm -hmm.